You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Yeah, uh, wow. Thank you for having me. I know you didn't have a choice. (laughs) But here we are. You're tolerating me at least. That's cool. Um, How many of you just love your lead pastor, Pastor Drew? Yeah, can we give it up for Pastor Drew? I love you. You guys don't know this about Drew and Tanya, but they're famous. They're famous, and where I come from, um, we've all but built statues in their honor. Uh, and uh, when w- Alyssa and I were in college, they were a little older than us, and they were in Kyalfa, and they were the cool couple. Do you guys have a time in your life where there was that cool couple in your life? Like that was Drew and Tanya. They set such an example in their dating relationship. Everybody that was looking for a spouse wanted to be Drew or Tanya, and everybody patterned their lives after what are Drew and Tanya doing in this situation. They just live with such righteousness and such purity and such purity of heart. Uh, that what they did was so contagious. It really changed the culture of our whole college ministry and for generations to come, people wanted to pursue um, their spouse in a righteous way because they saw it in Drew and Tanya. And so I'm, I'm thankful, uh, Alyssa and I, we patterned our dating journey really after Drew and Tanya because we knew it was uh, Christ reflected. And uh, I'm just thankful for you, Drew. I love you so much. And man, I just wanna give it up for Bryce back there, the son of the, of the man of the house, helping us out tonight. Man, we love you, Bryce. I just wanna say, I love you. Uh, and you don't know me that well, but I love you. So <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I'm gonna preach a message tonight called the Bible. No, just kidding. I, it is, you could just call it that. It's Bible. Uh, I feel like in church, we could just call every message series or collection that Bible. Uh, but really Luke chapter eight is where we're gonna be. And if you want like an official thought that we're gonna study in a, you know, for a few moments, it's really this idea of the way of grace, the way of grace. And I really see in my own life, I've kind of done one of two things. I've either walked in the ways of grace that Jesus provides, or I've been in the way of someone receiving grace or in my own way of receiving grace from Jesus. And I've done very silly, foolish things in my life. Have any of you done silly, foolish things in your life? Like things that you are not proud of. And if you could go back, you would not do those things or you would do things that you didn't, you know, that you didn't do, but you should have done. Uh, I wonder if any of us have ever felt like we're on the outside looking in to the sacred society of following Jesus. I mean, can we just talk real for a second? Have we ever really reflected like, I don't know if I'm as holy or as anointed as other people ever felt like that? You guys are all too holy and anointed to ever feel like that. I'll just be real with you. I, I look at a guy like Drew and Tony and Scott and your other staff and sometimes I'm like, man, Lord, I'm not good enough. Like they're holy and righteous and I still deal with stuff. Uh, But Luke chapter eight requires two things. And if you're taking notes, every parable in Luke chapter eight and story requires one thing, a soft heart, a soft heart. And Jesus was always willing to share really great truth for people who had a soft heart. Jesus was also about having outsiders become insiders. And that's your lead pastor, Drew's heart. He's just amazing. He wants outsiders to be insiders. There's no sacred society of being a believer. We want people who are far away to be brought near. And in Luke chapter eight, we come across a lot of really great things. We're not gonna read the whole chapter, but I don't have notes on the screen. So if you have a Bible or a device, go to Luke chapter eight, because we're gonna hop in and out of the scripture and just study it for a moment. Um, 
I think about Luke chapter eight a lot because I've needed grace from the Lord and I need people in my friend group, in my family. I have cousins, I have aunts and uncles, I have friends that don't know Jesus yet and I really believe it's gonna be the kindness of God that's gonna lead people to repentance. It's not gonna be, hey, come to church and if you're good enough, you can now participate in what I participate in. It's gonna be, no, the door is open to you wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, no matter how foolish, and you can be part of God's family. He does the work after you come to him. Uh, make some noise if you're glad that you didn't have to work to come to Jesus, like you came to him as you were, and God worked on your life. Make some noise if God worked on your life in some way. Put your hands together if God worked on your life in some way, shape, or form. In verse one, after this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. I love this, because it's like Jesus, like, sharing like, isn't this great? I'm here. You know, you were waiting for me. I, 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 we don't get like good verbiage of what he was saying, but he's like sharing the good news of the kingdom of God. And I don't know how else he could have said it other than I'm here. <laughs> Finally, the 12 were with him. And I just want to let you know, uh, this is the first of three times in Luke chapter eight where the number 12 is referenced. So another requirement of Luke chapter eight is that you understand the meaning of 12. 12 was uh, always used to describe God's sovereignty, his dominion, and his ultimate control of everything. Make no mistake, God is completely in control. And because Jesus is the son of God, fully God, fully man, not half and half, fully God, in his deity, Jesus was also wholly, fully, and unequivocally in control. And I've been taught in my life as a believer sometimes, you gotta give God control of your life. Anybody, raise your hand, you've been taught that. And that's not necessarily false, but it's not 100% true either. Like, God didn't need you to give him control. Like, God's God. He's got control whether you like it or not. This is how I feel about it. It's a revelation that I need that God is in control. And I just need to have revelation that God, I'm not in control of my situations or my life. I just need to acknowledge that you're the one that has dominion and control of my life, of my circumstances, and my duty, my honor, my privilege is just to obey what you're asking me to do. Uh, when, when we were being asked to, to leave healthcare careers and come into ministry about a year and a month or two ago, um, I remember, this is gonna sound really silly, but I, I didn't know what else to do, so I talked to my executives, I reported to two executives with our health system, and, and I said, hey, I got some interesting news. I'm gonna be a pastor of a church. And they're like, blank stare, you know? <laughs> and they're like, congratulations. Like they didn't know what to say to me. And that went pretty well, I would say. Uh, but when I had to talk to the, so we had, uh, by the time I was done with pharmacy, I was a director of pharmacy and we had 20, 220 people in our department. And I had a leadership team of eight people. And there's pharmacy managers and supervisors. And I had a, I had a meeting and I said, hey everyone, I have good news for you. You are getting an upgrade in your boss. I don't know who that person is yet, but it's gonna be an upgrade. And they're like, well, what, what are you doing? And I said, I'm not leaving Fargo, but I'm gonna become a pastor of a church. And literally, like Katie, one of our supervisors, she had like, she lost control of her jaw. Like I felt I was gonna have to reach over and like lift her jaw back up. And her eyes were about this big around and nobody knew what to say. They're just, and then somebody finally said, why? <laughs> 
um, my, my answer was simple. God told us to do it. Like, when did we lose, like, simple obedience? Like, I wasn't discontent in my job. <laughs> the, the church that we were taking wasn't, like, in revival mode. And, like, there's, it was, it was kind of, like, in the world standards, really foolish. Like, we were stable. We had everything we wanted. And, and yet God was like, it's not what I, I want you to do. Like God, God's assignment for me and for Alyssa was to be a pharmacist and nurse and lay pastors for 10 and a half years. And we did that faithfully and God gave us a new assignment. And it wasn't until I just acknowledged God, you are in control. My, my duty, my privilege, my honor is just to obey that there was this freedom. And I feel like in your life and in my life, we need the freedom of just obeying and understanding that he has dominion and control, amen? And so I don't know what you're walking through tonight. I don't know what your, what your aunts or your cousins or your friends or your roommates are walking through, but God is in control and he's sovereign. So we need to know that he's in control. And what's so cool is Jesus is he's traveling and we read that there were these ladies following Jesus, specifically ladies. And it says that these women in verse three were helping to support them out of their own means. So Jesus is literally traveling in ministry, talking about the kingdom of God, sounds like evangelism to me. Uh, but I don't know what you call it when it's like Jesus talking about himself. But anyway, um, it wasn't a bunch of dudes following him, supporting him financially. It was amazing women of God who had been healed and set free of stuff. They're following him, funding the ministry of Jesus directly. Like how many of you would probably fund the direct ministry of Jesus if you could follow him around? Like I would buy him as much Starbucks and cover as many hotel bills as I possibly could, right? And isn't it so cool? It highlights this beautiful uh, key role of these women in ministry, uh, just this beautiful expression of, it wasn't a bunch of dudes, it was women of God, called of God to, to fuel what Jesus was doing. And I just feel like in this church, and I know your church believes in this, but I just, I just wanna always say like, I just always wanna celebrate the great thing that God is doing amongst great women of God. Put your hands together if you've been blessed by a woman of God ministering to you in your life. Like make some noise. This is near and dear to my heart because Alyssa is a pastor and sometimes she's felt like inadequate at times. And I'm like, no, you're amazing. Like you're more amazing than me. Like when you share, they don't want me to share. That's how amazing you are, you know? Like we wouldn't have like this road show with Jesus without these women maybe. God would have had to use somebody else. And then Jesus talks about the sower and the seed and there's seed that fall along the path and there, it says that it's trampled and the birds take it away. And then there's seed that falls along rocky soil and it goes up quickly, but it has no roots, so it dies. And, and then there's these seeds that fall along thorny soil, and it comes up, and the worries of this life choke it out. And then he said, there's seed that fell among good soil. And aren't you glad that LifePoint Church is good soil? Uh, good soil that reaps a hundredfold what was sown. And God is not limited by rocky soil and the path and thorny soil. God is sovereign and there will always be good soil in your friend group. There'll always be good soil in your neighborhood. There'll always be good soil in your workplace. And this is a place that you sow into so that when you bring someone into this place and you disciple them in your home, like we were talking about earlier, there's good soil and God's gonna reap a harvest out of your efforts. But it's gotta be a revelation. He's so sovereign, he'll bypass all of the thorny soil, he'll bypass all of the rocky soil, and he'll say, I've got good soil for you if you'll just keep sowing. Like, I'm God, I have dominion, there's good soil out there. There's never gonna be not good soil until Jesus returns, and I'm so thankful for that. But Jesus spoke in parables, and it says in verse 10, 
so that through seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand, because God, through Jesus, of course, wanted to communicate truth to people with soft hearts. And so in my life, I always want to be someone who has a soft heart, and I always want to say, God, I want to be good soil. Jesus said this, the seed is the word of God. Let's make no mistake. The way that we help people understand the gospel of Jesus is the word of God. And I feel like it's so fitting because I have no notes. I'm literally preaching out of the Bible. Like, is there any substitute for the word of God? No, there's not. And that's why if we hear the word of God, it says we have faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. You don't need to make up cool things. You don't need to have cool sayings. The word of God is enough, and when it's planted into good soil, it will produce a harvest. Jesus continues to talk about a lamp on a stand. Like, you, like don't ever be deceived. What is hidden will be fully known. Like, some of us maybe have secret sin in this place. Some of us maybe have dark pasts. Um, some of us have things that we're ashamed of talking about. Jesus says, everything is gonna be exposed in the end. Like, everything's gonna be exposed. Because remember, he has full control. He has full dominion. That's not meant to shame us. It's not meant to scare us. It's just a time for us to even tonight to just lay out whatever it is in our lives before him. Like, God, whatever wicked way is in me, whatever dark area is in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Then Jesus talks about who his real mother and brothers are. He had biological mother and siblings. And Jesus said, it's, it's not really them so much as anybody who obeys the word of God, like they're my brothers and sisters. And it highlights that in this dominion of Jesus, there are no grandkids, there are no people that are like auto in. We all come to Jesus as a son or daughter. God has full dominion and sovereignty over that process. Whoever hear God's word and puts it into practice is a mother and brothers, a family member of Jesus. Now it gets even better because even Jesus's naps preach a sermon, isn't that crazy? Like God is so sovereign, has so much dominion, even him taking a nap on a boat exposed truth. Like when Jesus didn't speak, he spoke, isn't that crazy? Like he's so powerful, even that happened. Anybody, you took a nap today? Raise your hand, you took a nap today? And you're like, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I didn't take a nap, but I'm on my way. I'm gonna get there, I'm gonna get there. Um, so another crazy thing that happened is I'm in my office after I had like announced that like I'm in a plan of succession to get our new director of pharmacy and I was gonna move into this, this, um, this role in the church. And, I, and I'm in my office and I hear a knock on my door. And typically people don't like knock on your door frantically unless there's a problem, but in barges in Dr. Smith, now, what you don't know about Dr. Smith is Dr. Smith is an infectious disease physician at the health system I worked for. He storms in and he says, I heard you're leaving us. I'm like, yeah, sorry. Um, why are you leaving us? I said, well, so it's kind of complicated, but like I love Jesus and I've been a pastor for a while, but like totally volunteer and it's kind of complicated, but um, it's not complicated, I guess. Like God told me to do it, so I'm gonna do it. <laughs> And he's like, why? I said, I just told you, like, I don't have more or less than that. Like, are you miserable? Is there something wrong? No, no, I just wanted to do what God's asking me to do. He said, well, that, that just, that messes with me, man. And I'm like, oh, why? He said, because Dave, what you don't know about me is I've been taking Bible school myself as a physician because I've just been feeling this tug to ministry. And I told God, 
God, who would leave a healthcare career to be a pastor? <laughs> he said, and then I heard you were doing it, and now I've got no excuse, and so he and I got, su- and now he, he, so he and I got supper the other night and talked it through, because he's currently the kids director at his church, that's not our church, he's the kids director, and now he's wrestling with like, do I leave my infectious disease physician job? How many of you know, I was like, you gotta pray about it, bro, like, I'm like <laughs> I can't tell you what to do, but if God's telling you to do it, you see, friend, you will always be restless until you say yes to God. And how will we ever tell our kids to be obedient to the call of God in our lives if we're not willing to be obedient to the call of God in our lives? And I just wanna speak to, I feel like you're all young, but I feel like we've got a disproportionately high young person population over here. Like take it as a person who's been young and I'm no longer young. Like what you do in obedience today is not just about your obedience. Like your children and your children's children are all gonna benefit from the legacy of saying yes to God. And like, I feel like, like Bryce, I know you're back there. Like, dude, your, your dad was a nuclear engineer. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds amazing. And I visited your dad and mom when you, before you were born and he was, I think you were like decommissioning nuclear submarines, right? <laughs> Whoa, everyone do this with me. Whoa. And everyone put, can you just push up your like nerd glasses with me for a second? I feel like you can't be a nuclear engineer decommissioning submarines without some kind of goggles on. Anyway, that's not in Luke chapter eight. Um, but, but Bryce, like, like your dad and mom love Jesus and they've just always said yes. And, and I believe Bryce, you're going to say yes to God, whatever he asks you to do. Isn't that cool? Um, and, 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 and my mom did that. Um, my friends have done that. And I just, I had to do it. Um, but when Jesus is sleeping, the disciples are freaking out. The disciples, it says in verse 24, went and woke him. Master, master, we're going to drown. Remember, Jesus is sleeping, so he's not concerned. It's a, Jesus, it says, he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Wow, the dominion, the sovereignty. So you know what happened when Dr. Smith left my office that day? I was like, maybe I did make the wrong decision. Can I just be real with you? Like, (laughs) he's asking why, now I'm asking why. Uh, I had fear, is that okay to say? Like, am, am I above fear? Like, man, bold as a lion. I was scared. I was like, what if this doesn't work out? I'll tell you that that wasn't a storm even as big as maybe what you're walking through, like a raging storm, but Jesus sleeps in the storm. And you know that Jesus is sleeping through your storm, not because he doesn't care, but because he doesn't see it as a threat. The devil would just like to get you and I riled up with fear and anxiety and stress. And when we say, God, no, you have control. And I wake up in the morning, I say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. God, that meeting that I have tomorrow morning on a Monday, God, I've obeyed you. Um, Now, I'm just gonna ask God that you fight my battle for me and I'm not gonna let that coworker get under my skin. I'm just gonna respond in a Christ-like way. And you see, Jesus does not get threatened or scared by the things we get threatened or scared by. It gets even deeper. So Jesus has dominion and power even over nature. Now, in verse 26, we read about a demon-possessed man. Uh, Very, very dramatic story, but in conclusion, Jesus has power over the demonic, Satan and demons. Aren't you thankful for that? Um, In a world that is sensationalized and entertained by spirituality, 
um, we're meant to engage in healthy spirituality. Uh, uh, the, the highest uh, streamed um, show for many, many months was Stranger Things, and I, I haven't watched the show. I'm not condemning you if you've watched the show, but Stranger Things is essentially like many shows that are consumed today. It's wildly popular entertainment related to spirituality. And I would say that rather than being entertained with spirituality, we need to study biblical spirituality because what's in verse 26 through 38, or 39 rather, is way more intense than anything in Stranger Things. And uh, even though you and I don't maybe get possessed by a demon, the demonic is active and the devil will continue to pretend like it's not, hoping that you and I are deceived that the demonic is not affecting people's lives. But that God has complete dominion and power over the demonic. In the name of Jesus, uh, anything that's affecting your mind and your body uh, really could be demonic. And it's about that, that process of discernment. Like, God, I just, I cast it out in Jesus' name. I speak against it. Uh, if there's something in my life that's not pleasing to you or in my home that's not pleasing to you, what am I letting into my eyes or into my ears or into my heart that is not pleasing to you, I just give it up because you have dominion over it and it can't control me. And please hear me, I believe in theology and therapy, you know? I feel like even today, you're probably like his therapist was busy, that's why he's being so vulnerable with us, you know? But I believe in therapy and theology, I totally believe in that. I also believe in that if I'm not willing to pick up garbage off the road and eat it, I also need to think about what I'm looking at, I need to think about what I'm listening to, I need to think what I'm pondering in my head or what I'm allowing into my heart, and the devil would like you to think, it's just entertainment. Um, and again, I'm not here to be a morality police, but it's just nights like tonight when people that weren't me, but were in this position just encouraged me, hey, think about what you're letting into your life because Satan would like to, you know, kind of get us sleeping and not realizing the danger and the harm that it can bring to a family, to, to your heart, to your mind. And God has full dominion over that. And Jesus cast out, the demon, you know, the, the, the demon said that, that, that their name was Legion, and how many is a Legion? A lot. You'd have to ask the mathematician in the room, but it's a lot. And so there's no limit on what Jesus can cast out um, if we just submit and obey. But if it says in verse 38, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away. Doesn't that sound so cruel of Jesus? Like, I just want to be with you. Like, you cast demons out of me. Like, I just want to be with you. And Jesus says, no. Jesus let the, the ladies that were funding him come along, but not the demon uh, cast it out person. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. A couple, two, three weeks ago, Pastor Drew talked about stewarding testimonies. Were you there for that? Anybody heard that message? Great message. Uh, John chapter six, I believe. And it's just, sometimes we get so infatuated with just following Jesus that we realize that Jesus heals and delivers us and has dominion over the situations so that we can turn around and share the testimony with other people. Like Jesus, part of following him is actually being an extension of him and sharing what God has freed us from with other people. And I'll tell you over the course of time, I'd say the biggest feedback I got was like, but Dave, you make so much money as a pharmacist. Can I just be real with you? Like that was always people's like, but why would you do that? And you know, when you love Jesus, you just start to surrender things. Uh, like following Jesus is about surrender. And like this man surrendered his 
plan after God worked in his life. He's like, I want to follow you, but I'm surrendering my plan. And so Jesus says, go and tell everybody you possibly can about what's been done for you. And he does. Isn't that beautiful? But, but the man who was healed said, I'm not going to do this my way. I'm going to do this your way. You had dominion over the demon. You now have dominion over what I do next. And I feel like when we come to the altar tonight, it's yes, healing and deliverance and all the miracles. But what I've seen in my own life, I'm just, maybe this doesn't apply to you, but God has delivered me and healed me from stuff. But then I've been like, thank you, God. I'll see you next week. Anybody you've been there? And meanwhile, I'm like, God, I want you to change my Monday. I want you to affect Tuesday. I want you to affect every single day of my life. But here's where it gets, I think, really, really deep because God has now have dominion over the earth and nature has dominion over the demonic and then now has dominion over illness and sickness and even dominion over death itself. Verse 40, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. This is the second time the number 12 is used in Luke chapter 8. She's 12 years old and she's dying. Can you imagine the hopelessness of a father with a dying child? Um, I did a funeral for who would have been on this earth my niece about two years ago. Talk about hopeless, talk about helpless, talk about God, I have no control and I've acknowledged that. I wept like crazy and as the pastor doing a funeral, you're, you're supposed to be the one person who doesn't cry, but then I just cried like a baby. You know, it's just, it was terrible. It was so sad, it was so terrible. So, so Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So there's 12 disciples that are following Jesus. Comes across a man with a 12-year-old daughter. And now on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, he gets interrupted by a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And this is all a setup. Because Jesus has full control. He's not like, ah, a dying child, ah! A bleeding woman. He's like, cool as a fan. Kind of like, you ever like look, so this is what I love about Pastor Drew. He's like one of the most chill people ever. You ever notice that? He's like a walking melatonin dose. <laughs> Pharmacy joke. I had to throw it in there. Like, Drew, you must sleep really well. Like, he's so chill. Like, I'm a little bit on edge. Drew's never on edge. So just, I mean, we should all have him lay hands on us just for that, but I digress. I'm in a walking melatonin dose. I've never used that one before. I'm using that one again. But Jesus isn't like, he's getting crushed by the crowds. He's got a guy that needs his daughter healed. He's got a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years and Jesus is, I can imagine just kind of being like, all right, how are we gonna sort this out, you know? And so he's getting crushed and it's funny because like almost, like what's it like to almost crush Jesus? Anyway, I, sometimes I read the Bible and I just, I have a lot of questions for God in heaven, although I will just be worshiping him. I won't care about my questions, but. But verse 43, and a woman who has been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. 
when they all denied it, which is a sermon in itself, I won't, go to, I won't go there, but Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Like, Jesus, remember, you're on your way to Jairus' house. And Jesus is like, whoa, because many people were close to Jesus and touching him physically, but only one person was touching his heart. Isn't that cool? Like, we can be around LifePoint Church and around Pastor Drew and Tony and Scotty and Riley and all the sweet people that are here. You can be close to Jesus, but you have to touch him for yourself. And that's when an outsider becomes an insider. Like, for those of you who know Jesus in this place, like, isn't it sweet to just think back to when you finally touched Jesus's cloak for yourself? And you finally experienced his power. It wasn't a YouTube video. It wasn't a message. It wasn't a tweetable one-liner. It wasn't even a cool worship song or even a, a sensational experience. You just, you had the power of Jesus in your life. And Jesus notices that and he, power comes out of him and he's, he's not concerned about the people crushed and pressed around his experience. He's, he's worried and thinking about the person who just experienced him. And that's so beautiful because you might be here and you might say, Dave, I feel like I'm on the outside of a sacred society and Jesus is all about you feeling like you're not on the outside looking in, but you're on the inside experiencing who he is. For power has come out from me. Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. It's so important to know culturally that this woman um, culturally was unclean. Her disease of bleeding would have meant she needed to be away from people, like culturally excluded from society, like leprosy level separation from society. So the reason why she was not crushed up and pressing up against Jesus is because she was sneaking around. She was hiding. Like everyone else is like, like mosh pitting Jesus and, and this woman is sneaking, just trying to weave through the people to touch him. And this is something for your notes if you want it, but Jesus loves sneaky people. Like we, we preach so often in church, man, you gotta approach the throne of God with confidence. Whippersnapper, approach you with confidence. I'm just gonna be real with you. I don't identify with that person. I don't identify with that person at all. All of the, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I know, but why don't I always feel it in my own life? Like, I, I identify more with this lady in the scripture. Like, like, in my life, like, my sin was, it was killing me. from a father I never knew. Um, impure relationship with the girl I was dating in college. It took, it took a, a prophetic word from Pastor Tony outside door six at our church in Fargo where he said, Dave, I saw you in a dream and there were blinders on your eyes and I feel like God's telling you to take your blinders off. Um, man, I'm the sneaky one. Is that okay to share with you? I was the sneaky one. I was not Jairus. I have a daughter who is, needs your healing and I need you to heal her, Jesus. 
I was the sneaky woman just trying to touch the edge of Jesus and I was a church kid. I was a good kid. Man, anybody, you were a good kid? Like you didn't do drugs and alcohol. Like people thought you were really, you, they thought you had it together. Anybody, you, you kind of, you, you're kind of happy about that. You're kind of the I had it together kind of person. Okay, just me. That's fine. But Jesus loved Jairus for his boldness, but he loved the woman who snuck up on him. And I'm just gonna take it a step further because we got a lot of believers in the room today. Um, There's a lot of people in your family who are sneaking around. Man, I've been really challenged with this in my own life because I've got people in my life, they don't need another message on how to have a happy marriage. They need ministry that they've on, they're on their third marriage and they just wanna know Jesus still loves them. I met with a, with a couple this week in our home church. This is her, she has a boyfriend. She's had two failed marriages. She's got three young boys, each from a different marriage. And she just wants to know if God still loves her, like if there's any hope for her. You know, she's sneaking around. She said, Dave, I just feel like since I've come to the church here that like I can just come as I am. Like there's a grace here. There's just like a freedom here. Like I don't have to put on a show, you know? Um, But grace will always grow the church, amen? Doesn't matter what church you go to. I'm not talking about methods. I'm just talking about the grace of Jesus. Like grace grows the church. We can't sacrifice truth. Like if you keep living the way you're living, it won't end well. But Jesus wasn't like, you better just be thankful that I let my power come out from you. Look what he says. Then he said to her daughter, could have called her a lot of things. Hey, new believer, I bet you believe now. Hello, divine healing recipient. Miracle acquirer, you know? No. He just looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Congratulations, you believed. This is what faith is. You believe he can do it. It's being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you don't see. I don't see my healing, God. I don't know how this is gonna work, but if I, can just, if I can just touch you in faith, if I can just come close to you in faith. All these people are close to you physically, but I'm close to you spiritually. And I'm just, when I call us to the altar tonight, I just want us to have this hunger. I don't wanna be close to an altar. I wanna be close to you in my heart. Like, I want us to be close where nothing is off limits. Daughter, Your faith has healed you, go in peace. Verse 49, when Jesus was still speaking, someone came out from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Wah, 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 you know. Bummer, dude. No, not for Jesus. Jesus is like, minor obstacle. Because he's in control. You might feel tonight that you're, you weren't on the schedule. Remember, the, remember Jesus healing this woman? That was off schedule. That was off script. Jesus was on the way to Jairus' house. He's interrupted. First of all, if you're taking notes, Jesus is willing to be interrupted for your need, for healing in your life. And he's also asking you and I as believers in Christ to be willing to be interrupted, to be used by God in supernatural ministry whenever we need to. You know, you might have great things going on in your workplace tomorrow, but if you get interrupted with a divine appointment, you need to say yes. 
Remember, God is so sovereign, even the death of Jairus' daughter was not a big deal. So something, you might be like, oh, but if I pray with that person at lunch, I'm gonna be 10 minutes late to my meeting. If God's telling you to do it, you need to do it. Um, like, like God's sovereign over your workplace and over your corporate ladder climbing. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for, once again, you know, they're not on a boat saying, Jesus, we're gonna die. They're like, mourning, wailing, she's dead, you know? I love this. Stop wailing, Jesus said. Can you see how insulting that is? But Jesus, don't you care about my pain? Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. And this is only because Jesus was like, I'm not gonna be able to move if you tell people they're all gonna come. Here's the question for you. Is there a situation in your life where you have not fully had revelation that God is sovereign and is in control? And tonight you need to not give God control, but you need to acknowledge, God, you are in control of my every every moment. You are in control over my every problem. You're in control over my every need. And I need revelation to know, God, you wanna heal supernaturally. You wanna work through me supernaturally. You wanna provide for me supernaturally. And then here's the other thing, but God, I'm willing to obey you with whatever you're asking me to do. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.